Hey, welcome to another episode. So normally I would say, welcome to another episode of Sabine's Common Sense. But today, um, we changed the name. So the new name is the Ambitious Legacy Podcast. And in the last episode, I talked all about why I changed the name and, you know, the new direction that we're sort of going into. I've been doing this for quite a few episodes now and starting to really feel the groove of it and understand um, my direction. So thank you guys, as usual, for helping me be on purpose. I'm Sabine, the Purpose Lawyer. And today we're going to talk about, oh, I should say we're still going to have Sabine's Common Sense segment. So the first segment is about Sabine's Common Sense. And today we're going to talk about um, really how, well, one of my team members sent me an article about um, Tupac Shakur. So you guys should know who Tupac is. I don't, <laughs> he needs no introduction. Um, and the article was about how his mom was also really close with Jada Pinkett Smith. So um, many of you know, if you know Tupac, you probably heard that him and Jada Pinkett were really good friends. And so when he passed away, you know, Jada was there with his mom and she was the one who really encouraged her to really find out about his assets, to, you know, you speak to whoever you need to, demand information, find out about his music, his, you know, what royalties he's due, his accounts, you know, what did he own, things of that nature which was really cool because she really woke her up to that stuff. She had no, she had no idea, she being Miss um, Shakur, she had no idea that this stuff needed to be handled and that, you know, steps needed to be taken. And of course, she's like devastated because her son, who was larger than life, you know, had just been lost, his life had just been lost. And so, you know, your, your family member doesn't have to be that uh, larger than life to feel that kind of loss and to feel that void and to sort of be like, I don't, I don't know what to do or I can't even like deal with things with these things right now. But there are some important steps that you need to take. Um, you guys know I'm an attorney and I deal with people who have uh, people who they have lost, estate planning issues or probate or administration issues. And so most of the time where I find that there are issues is that people come in, they're like, so-and-so passed away. Um, I can't get access to their assets. Someone else has already beat me to it. They, you know, blocked me from going in and receiving um, the mail or finding out what their assets are or I can't get a death certificate. So there are some things that I wanted to share with you guys of what you can do when somebody passes away. So there's some steps you should take within the first 48 hours and then some steps that you could sort of wait to sort of get to. And so for the first 48 hours, first thing you want to do is secure the home. So wherever they lived, the person lived, their home or their and or their office, you want to secure that space. You want to make sure that no one who is not supposed to gain access to it gains access to it. Um, that may be, you know, going there, changing the locks, whatever it is. Make sure you're the person who has authority to do this, right? The next of kin. Um, the other thing that you want to do is probably take a video of what the spaces look like. So take a video of the office, take a video of the home, make sure that, you know, everything that is of value is accounted for, right? And so those are some good first steps. The other thing that you probably want to do is forward the mail, right? Because one of the issues is if you, if you, if this person didn't have a plan, if they didn't leave um, you know, any will or trust so that you know all that they own, 
now you got to figure it out. Now you got to play detective and piece the pe- and put the pieces together. So you the mail is a really good tool to help you know like what is out there, you know, cuz they're going to get bank statements. They're going to get, you know, um any other like maybe life insurance statements. It may take some time for you to get all of this stuff. And so you want to forward the mail to wherever um it's supposed to go in order for you the person responsible to be able to put all the pieces together. So that's what you want to do really within the first 48 hours. Oh, and you also want to contact the funeral home. It's really important when you contact the funeral home, you let them know that you and only you is the person that they should be contacting. Again, this should be if you're the next of kin and you're the person responsible. Because if someone else gets hold of the death certificates, it's really hard to stop them from doing things that they're not supposed to do. So please make sure that you're diligent about um, that and that you communicate very well with the funeral home, what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. Um, okay, so those are for, with the first 48 hours. The next steps, you want to uh, go through the mail, of course, and start to piece together the picture of what these assets are and what you need to do, who you need to contact. Next thing is you want to find any important documents like deeds. If you haven't been able to find out um, about wills and things like that or trusts, then you want to definitely start looking for those things at this time. Um, Next thing you want to do is cancel what's not needed. So is there a cell phone? Is there a particular um, thing that the person is paying for that is obviously no longer needed? Unfortunately, now that they're gone. You can cancel that and, you know, cut off any additional expenses, credit cards. You don't want anybody running up those credit cards, you know, cancel those things so that you can sort of stop those and let the companies know what's going on. And then you want to talk to an estate attorney. So depending on whether they had a plan or didn't have a plan, you want to find out what are the next steps that you can do legally and therefore, you know, make sure that their assets get to the right place where it belongs. Right. So I hope that was helpful. These are some steps that you want to take. Definitely have these conversations. If you know someone who's lost someone and they don't know what to do, you could be that voice to sort of um, help them. And so my next guest, who is another person from California who is making moves in the entertainment space, she is a legend in her own right. And she's creating, um, you know, a new path for women of color, for you know, people who are from small towns. Her name is Mimi Brown, and she's also going to let us know a little bit about her legacy and what she's doing to prepare for her family. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Stay tuned. Hello, Mimi Brown. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm honored to have you be here to talk to me. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. I'm a huge fan. Like your work really? is amazing. Yeah. What you're doing for the community and just letting everyone know about estate planning is amazing. I've been following you for a really long time. Oh, my goodness. I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, so your story was really interesting to me, um, because 
you're sort of like, um, what do you call that? Uh, a, a golden unicorn, <laughs> you know, uh, you're very unique. And I love how you've been able to sort of like, um, just pave your own path, you know, and yeah. not take make no apologies for it. So I definitely want to get into your story and what you're doing and where you've been. Um, so something interesting, the, the most interesting thing, not most, but one of the first interesting things that that popped out to me was that you grew up in Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know too many people that grew up in Alaska. <laughs> yes, I did. I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, you know, Alaska is mm. it's one of the best places to grow up, I would think. Really? I mean, I didn't like it then. In mm-hmm. fact, I left the day after high school like literally like I was <laughs> on the first thing smoking wow but um, when I look back and I have an eight-year-old son now and I look back and oh, I just wonderful. think about like the nature and the low crime rate and mm. everything that we had growing up I realized it was probably the best thing my parents could have done for me mm-hmm. um you know when I became a teenager it was kind of slow and I was like you know I, I can't I can't take it mm. but I mean it's, it's, it's like no other place, you know? Um, I believe even now though, like when I was growing up, we had, we barely had the internet, right? I think it was just coming. Okay. (laughs) I was one of the last kids to get, um, to get a computer, to get cable TV. So I can relate to that. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. You know, so we got like all our hip hop or whatever we knew, we got it from watching BET, Mm. you know? Like, okay. TV period, like influenced the way we lived, you know, mm-hmm. the way we talked because not a lot of concerts were going on. Not a lot of people were coming to Alaska. So we literally, right. you know, our little population, like we watched what was happening in the rest of the world, you know, via TV. So, mm. you know, it was, it was, it was an experience. Right. So culture wise, I don't know what, you know, sort of um, Alaska is like. Is it, is there a small population of people of color or is it just like any other city? Okay. So <laughs> I get that, I get asked that a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I'll be somewhere and they'll be like, are there black people? In <laughs> First thing people ask me. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. There's a, there's a nice size population because we have military mm-hmm. bases. Mm-hmm. We okay. have an army base and the air force base. Mm-hmm. And so for me, my dad was in the army and we, he retired there. And so we just stayed there okay. because it was such a great place to raise a family. My parents still live there. So, um, I think in my high school, mm-hmm. there was maybe, I mean, I want to say like 2%, which okay. is not a lot, but well, you can find was, that here too. Some places it's really that low. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could, you know, I could find my people okay. with that too. You know what right. I mean? Like <laughs> we were, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I, 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 it was, it was, it was great, but that experience mm-hmm. was the reason why I decided that. I wanted to go to Howard University. Mm, okay. I knew that I felt like I needed to be around my people. Like, I hear you. I was like, this is cool, but there's got to be more. And so um, I remember going on a visit and I was like, this is it. Wow. You know, just be around. How did you um, know that that experience existed? Like what influenced you to say, like, I'm going to HBC? How did you know? I had a cousin, wow. actually. Mm. Yeah. And she went to Howard. Um, she was like I don't know she has to be like six years older than me so by the time I got to Howard she was way gone Mm. but the seed had been planted right um 
And so I had a, my best friend who um, had moved to Alaska from Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Her mother was an AKA and they were from Mississippi and always, she always talked about Jackson state. And so I knew that they existed. Okay. Cousin and my friend, you know, mm-hmm. so, um, I was like, that's where I need to be. Right. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So the, the, I guess the lack of culture or experiences is what got you like, okay, I'm leaving this town, <laughs> this state. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The lack of culture, the lack of experiences. I mean, you know, I didn't know what living was mm. until I, you know, I like you. Mm-hmm. I, life was one way and it was a great life, you know, but I was, I was aware of so much more mm-hmm. once I left, you know, um, which kind of segues into what I do now, you right. know, mm-hmm. I mean, growing up there, you only saw white doctors, white nurses, white accountants, just, Mm. you know, white everything. And so some of the things that you thought that you wanted to be, you didn't know if they were attainable for you. Oh, I like, I like that. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) not that it's good, but you know, (laughs) I'm catching your drift on that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you just didn't know. And so that was, like I said, part of what, you know, spurred me to Howard University. I, Mm. I, I, there had to be like another way of life, you know? Yeah. And, so, um, you know, I knew I wasn't the only one. I would have like an AP honor class and be the only one. Like, there's got to be other smart black people than me. Right. <laughs> so, you know, that those experiences sort of shaped me into, you know, what I do now and what I see now and what I try and portray on, on television for everyone else to see now. Wow. I love that. So you graduated and you're like, I'm gone. <laughs> you leave, yes. you go to Howard. What was that experience like? when you first got there? Um, you know, it's funny because I, I rarely share the story because it's almost embarrassing. Really? But when I got to Howard, mm-hmm. again, I had never seen so many Black people in one area mm-hmm. because I grew up, you know, in an all-white city, place, mm-hmm. state. <laughs> and I remember being on Georgia Avenue, like mm-hmm. my first day and I remember being afraid really right because I had never seen so many black people in one area mm-hmm. and I remember my mother saying they don't know you're not from here like mm-hmm. come on you know what I mean? <laughs> and it was just like an experience like you know to even say that out loud now seems so you know weird and embarrassing to be almost afraid of my own people but i had never experienced that yeah you know, i mean I, had- I think that's normal you know new new environments and it's a it's a culture shock a culture shock nonetheless you know because now you're just like how do i even fit in like <laughs> what's the proper way to to act or whatever it is exactly and i had to you know it it, it was easy after mm-hmm. this third week okay. I would say after I got into my dorm and I made some friends but I'm telling you those first couple of weeks I wasn't I wasn't sure you mm-hmm. know it was really different for me um but it was the best decision I ever made hands yeah, down definitely yeah. I tell everyone who went to HBCU like I wish <laughs> I went to HBCU <laughs> best decision ever that's what okay. everybody says mm. <laughs> <laughs> I could go back and like we're my time you know Do it again it was, Yes, it was that good. Yeah, that is awesome. <laughs> so when was the first time that you had the sort of idea like, OK, like I want to be in media like this is what I'm going to do. 
okay. Um, <laughs> it wasn't then at okay. all. No. <laughs> so when I was at Howard, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I think I I, I changed my major like three times. Um, That's brave. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, what am I doing? Like, mm. yeah, this is it. I think I, at first I was going to be an engineer mm. and then they hit the calculus and all of that. And I was like, no. <laughs> I got you. Either. That would have been me. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, um, I ended up getting a degree from Howard in business. Okay. Like, yeah, because I just was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did that. Mm-hmm. I graduated mm-hmm. and I was like, OK, what now? Um, and then I got a call from one of my old professors mm-hmm. and she was like, I'm in L.A. And I just um, signed up for the apprentice or the apprentice is over. And oh an assistant can you come here and help me out and I said okay sure because I just graduated mm-hmm. it was literally so I had no idea what I was going to do and wow. so I moved here and um it was Omarosa she was literally oh, wow. finishing the um the apprentice mm-hmm. and so I moved to LA I became her assistant I um you know, mm-hmm. got immersed into the world of entertainment just by like going with her to all the red carpets and the award shows. And I realized, okay, I can do this too. <laughs> that was such but a like, blessing. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. No, that was just, I always say that was God. Like sometimes, yeah, you know, redirected because I had no idea. You know, I think I would have stayed in, 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 DC. I don't mm-hmm. know. I would have even worked in media had I not been exposed to the things that I was exposed to while working right. for her. Mm-hmm. And I was um, at the um, NAACP Image Awards mm-hmm. and I met a journalist and we were in the gifting suite and I saw her walking around talking mm-hmm. to people. And I just went up to her and I was like, what are you, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> like, 22, you have no fear. You just walk <laughs> up to people. Like, what are you doing? Like, this is a thing. <laughs> right. This is a thing like you're getting paid to like pick up gifts and talk to people like mm-hmm. what talk to me. Mm-hmm. And so she told me that um, she was a music journalist mm-hmm. and she worked for Us Weekly. And um, I was like, well, how do I do what you do? Mm-hmm. And she gave me a card and she told me to come to the office the next day. Wow. And so I went to the office literally the next day. And I met everyone in the office and they were so amazing. Mm-hmm. And they put me to work. And so I started working for Us Weekly, um, wow. covering red carpets, movie premieres, charity galas, you name it. Like, it sounds um, like a Cinderella story. <laughs> I know. It's so crazy how it happened, right? That's but that's literally mm-hmm. what happened. And I started just, you know, um, just, yeah, like, go. they would send me to different events here mm-hmm. in L.A. or out of town. And um, I would meet people. And I did that for, like, eight years. Wow. And and one day while on the carpet, I was standing next to a cameraman who mm-hmm. worked for a local television station. And so I said the same thing to him. I said, hey, you know, now I want because, you know, I've done this for a while for print. Right. Like what's I need a, something else. I need a challenge. Mm-hmm. So I was like, how do I do what you know, how do I get to work at your station? Like, can you tell me something? And he, he put me in touch with um, his news director who said they weren't hiring. And I just kept kept emailing him kept calling him <laughs> for three months until he said okay wow. come in mm-hmm. and then I came in for an interview 
and it took another three months, but they hired me. Oh, and wow. Back in, I don't know, until my age, but that was like a long time ago. <laughs> um, yeah, that was Good Day LA, and I am still there. Oh, um, my God. So yeah. I wanted to, I want to know, like, what, what did it feel like, you know, during that time when you were, um, when you had the, the first job with Us Weekly? What was that experience like? Were you just like, I'm living my dreams? Like, this is yes. everything I'd want to do? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, listen, growing up in Alaska, I never thought that certain jobs were even jobs or they mm-hmm. were attainable or that you could even have a job where you're literally standing on a red carpet talking to Will Smith or Denzel Washington about their new movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know that um, things like that existed, right. you know. And so I thought that, um, you know, the world had opened up, Mm. you know, and I wanted to dive deeper and deeper and deeper. And um, it was just, it was on the job training. I had never did it before, you know, and I was grateful that they allowed me to sort of just learn as I go and paid me for it. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, it was, it was literally the best, like, let me throw you in the pond and get you wet sort of um job experience that I could have ever asked for I mean it wasn't easy but it was yeah yeah that's almost like um you know the best way to learn when you just get like thrown out there and you got to figure it out because you don't really know what to be afraid of (laughs) you You know right you really really don't you just you know figure it out as you go and you know I that's what I did. I just mm. kept figuring it out as I, as I went along and, you know, it, it worked out. And so that's what speared my career in journalism was mm-hmm. I had already done this. So I was like, this is amazing. So I ended up going back to school. I left that out. I'm going back to school and I got a, a master's in um, broadcast journalism. Oh, okay. Because I was like, you know, I've already been in journalism for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was during just, the eight year period. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and then, yeah. and then you ended up at us weekly. What was that transition? Like, I'm sorry, not um, us weekly. You said <laughs> good day LA. <laughs> that was, I hate to say this, but that, I mean, again, mm-hmm. I've been given jobs that are so, um, catered to my personality. Mm, okay. When I first got there, my, I was in charge of, I was a segment producer and mm-hmm. I got to go out and find the hottest new, fitness crazes, new restaurants, new um, whatever's happening, the hottest new everything and highlight it on mm-hmm. the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, a whole segment where I would go out and just, you know, if you have a new trampoline fitness thing that you're doing mm-hmm. and it's all the new raids, you know, <laughs> your PR person would get in, in contact with me and I would come out there and shoot it and we would showcase it on the show. I did, you know, and I did that for a while for like four years at the station wow. and that was fun, you know? Mm. Um, and then, I mean, I did serious stuff too from time to time. Like <clears throat> I remember, um, you know, when, Michael Jackson died. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they would you know send me out to cover stuff like that. But for the most part, I have just been a producer and producing, um, you know, great content, fun things. And mm-hmm. then la- fast forward to 2020, mm-hmm. when the world changed. Yeah. Yeah. And everything about it changed. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I sort of 
pitched a show idea to my news director about, mm-hmm. you know, what we needed to do, like the responsible way that we needed to handle it. And so mm-hmm. um, and you're talking about sort of the racial tension that started to mm-hmm. arise. Mm-hmm. The sort of the racial tension that started to rise. And, you know, I skipped over something. Let me go back because okay. you know, our station is is technically a Fox station, okay. right? Mm-hmm. And so we have a bad rep. And so, but I mm-hmm. like to say that, you know, we're a little different. We're not the network. We are our own, you know, our own entity. Okay. We're an O and O, which is, means we're owned and operated. So we're separate, okay. you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I always, but I, I knew that the voice that we had, we needed to get it out there. We mm-hmm. needed to like, you know, try and talk about what was going on. And so we um, came up with a show idea mm-hmm. where um, I interviewed people who, you know, were out there, you know, activists who were doing things to okay. bring awareness to everything that was happening. And how did your how did your network receive it or how did the um, the studio receive it? <laughs> I mean, it was partially their idea, okay. you know, mm-hmm. so, um, they loved it. And I think they trusted me to do it because, so with that being said, so with the segments that I would do, mm-hmm. I also do like, um, guests, like in-house guests, because okay. we would have a morning show. And so we would have people on the show to talk about hot topics or, um, trending topics, should mm-hmm. I say. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. Tax season, we need an accountant. Mm-hmm. If it's, you know, something about COVID, we need a doctor, okay. you know, something mm-hmm. like that. And it's always been my mission to showcase our talents. So if we need an accountant, I would like to find, you know, a a person of color, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. I'd like to find a person of color because like I said, growing up in Alaska, I didn't have that. I didn't know that we were doctors and lawyers and that we could, um, we could, you know, uh, talk about these issues just the same as anyone right, else right right so I yeah. made it my mission in my and I still do in my position to always find you know a person of color who can be that talking head that we need and so they knew that about me mm-hmm. and so I think that's what helps spear you know like just you know allow me me to go ahead and 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 um you know talk to the people that that right. we need to hear from right now I love that. And that's sort of been a common thread here that people say that, you know, what's helped them to get to where they're going is that representation. So mm-hmm. it's important to be able to see people in different spaces, especially spaces that you're in and um, really any other space where we didn't realize that we can belong or we can fit in and we can do it as well. Or we have the right um, viewpoint, you know, because, you know, our, our opinion matters as well. So I love mm-hmm. that you're creating space for that. Yeah, no, our opinion matters. I mean, it just, it, and it almost becomes tone deaf if we don't do it. Right, you know what I mean? right. I mean, you know, we can't, I mean, for example, something like COVID, which was um, disproportionately affecting us and mm-hmm. black, black and brown people, you know, if we don't have someone there who's literally talking to us, Mm-hmm. then we're not paying attention, mm-hmm. you know, and those are always mm-hmm. the things that I'm trying to impart to everyone at the station. Like we literally need to talk to, if we're going to help, you know, and bring awareness then we need to talk to them, not at them. And it's right. important to be ourselves, you know? And so I've always, 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 always championed, you know, our voice and mm-hmm. making sure that we're heard in, in every 
facet um, of it could be anything, you know, right. even if we're doing, you know, the best dishes for Thanksgiving, you know, we're chefs, right? right. We, we can do that too. I mean, we're everything. And so it's <laughs> right. important that, you know, we showcase our skills and, you know, if I'm in charge, then I'm going to make sure that you have a platform to do so. Yeah, that that is so important. And I love that. And I'm sure it brings a lot of um, context to to your network as well, because then then they get to be influenced by what is possible and what you know, what opportunities and it makes for a richer, you know, platform for everyone. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it opens their eyes to certain things like I've had people Mm -hmm. on the show they had never heard of that are now favorites you wow, know awesome. so them back you know mm-hmm. um but it's about just showcasing and just showing like this is what we can do and mm-hmm. we need the opportunity right a lot of this is is we don't get the same opportunities and so i think it's important when you have someone who's behind the scenes or someone who's there to champion for us because if not we don't get the same opportunities and that's yeah. always always been very important to me yeah you know? I had an experience once I was um in I was at like um what do you call it it's like a, a bar association and so mm-hmm. um we were planning like an event for the bar association and I you know had volunteered to help plan and I was the only person of color and I noticed how like these conversations go in these rooms. Like if no one is there of color to say, hey, this person of color can do it. This person, they just don't know you exist and don't, you know what I mean? For the most mm-hmm. part, they're not thinking in that way. So it does require someone to be in the room who, you know, has that awareness to say, hey, you know, we need to make this <laughs> more inclusive or we need to. We do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm so glad you said that because mm-hmm. that's so true. Like, we have to be in these rooms, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, our voices need to be heard. Like our perspective needs yes. to be known. I mean, mm-hmm. there have been times where I've like even said, yeah, I don't think that's going to go over well. I wouldn't do that. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> Which is important, right? <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of times, you know, like you said, they don't even think to think like that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, what they think is cool is offensive and not cool mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and need a voice you right. know and so you know I'm I'm grateful that they've been open to allow me to be that voice and mm-hmm. to um be able to influence um you know a little bit of you know what we're seeing at least right. here in LA you know yeah um, I love that and not only that you also have your own podcast yes <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Let's so, spark that because you got a lot going on already. <laughs> yes. Well, okay. That's thank you for asking. No problem. Um, so here's the thing. When I um when I we do a lot of interviews okay. uh, on about things about um your new show on Netflix or your mm-hmm. new um play that's coming out. Mm-hmm. And we often meet people at the top of their game, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk to them once we know, like, okay, your 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 fifteenth movie is coming out. Mm-hmm. Tell us about what's it going to be about. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's great. That's great. But I feel like there's there's a time where people want to sort of know, like, how did you get here? Mm-hmm. You know, right. what mm-hmm. was the rock bottom moment? Like, what kept you going? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so that that feels attainable to them too. I mean, we right. live. I live in LA, the city of dreams. You know. And people come out here and go broke trying to achieve their dream, you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> and 
New York so too. Me, <laughs> right. New York too. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so for me, it was talk to the people about like how you became this person, mm. you know, like what did you do? You know, were the times you gave up? Like, you know, because we see you here, but you know, there's so much in between that we're missing. Right. And I think we'll need that. You know, I feel like um, we're always, you know, giving everyone their accolades, but, and that's great, but talk to me a little bit about um, what kept you going, inspire others to keep going, you know, so that's what the podcast is about, you know, it's literally, how did you become dope? How did you become dope? Love it. Love it. It's becoming dope, right? Is that the title? I love that. And so did that did that have anything to do with like you having time to think in 2020? Was that something that was birthed through that? You know, it was it's funny. Okay, so <laughs> what spirited what what made me come up with it was um a friend of mine who um he was a rapper or okay. is a rapper mm-hmm. and um he he like changed the way I thought about mm. life because he um he let me know that um he's heavy into investing okay. right mm-hmm. and you know j- after one conversation with him about you know black people being mm. in these rooms and not being in these rooms mm-hmm. and throwing around 30 40 millions of dollars that no that mm. we don't know about mm-hmm. you know it made me think like I, I need a platform to get this information out. Mm, mm-hmm. Help me spearhead, you know, because when you see him now, he's amazing. And he invested in, in ring and he invested in, in lift and all these things. That, Is this um, Nas? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, um, it's chameleon air. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. And that invested in all these things that, mm-hmm. um, that have taken off mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. yeah and so you you wonder like well how did you do that like right. what what made you make a pivot like you know and so for me it just made me realize like this I feel like we we don't we don't we don't know all of this information right. so I wanted to you know just sort of talk about how you know he became so dope right. it's all you know all the way all the things that we've done and so that's sort of what spearheaded my thinking and not even that though there was there was just other celebrities that came in mm-hmm. you know our our um, studio and I would just be talking to them and listening to their stories and I'm like yo this has to come out you, this is amazing you know I love that you and, were like I'm not gonna keep these conversations to myself yeah, because I, would conversations. The, I would get the the behind the scenes stuff and mm-hmm. I was like do you know this you right. know and that could just help other people you right, know 100 percent and so that's sort of where it came from. You know, it's like, I'm not one for holding information. If I have it, and I think that it'll benefit, you know, the community or, or anyone, I want to share it. Mm-hmm. So when you say that, were there some times where you felt like there were challenges that you could have overcome if you like had more information? What were some of the struggles that you experienced, if you want to share? Um. More information, like um, work-wise? Just like, or, yeah, like maybe mentorship or someone speaking to you about or sharing, like, you could have done it this way or, you know? Well, let me say it like this. So mm-hmm. when you're in this space and mm-hmm. you're this young girl and you have all these, you know, these these great ideas, you know, I mm-hmm. wish 
I had someone who had pulled me aside and said, you know, I wish I had a, you know, I know now, Mm -hmm. but, you know, people get um, intimidated Mm -hmm. by the way that you, um, you know, sort of want to do everything, Mm -hmm. you know, ambition, you know, and so I wish I would have known a little bit better how to navigate the room, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and and so that way people don't feel like you are pushing them aside to, to sort of take over, you right. know, like to be, um, um, to disarm a little bit, <laughs> disarm a little right. bit, right? Mm-hmm. Like everything is politics and it's all about the way you do it and it's yeah. about the way you approach it and the way you say it. But when you're, you know, young and blossoming with all these ideas and you think you can do it better, you mm-hmm. know, you're just like, what are you talking about? Like, I just made it better. Like, why right. are you tripping? You know what I mean? <laughs> Right. So, but there, you know, in every, I guess, even corporate setting, in every setting, you know, mm-hmm. there are do things, you know, and I learned that the hard way sometimes, you know, right. and um, I've had, you know, people who want to remind you, you know, mm-hmm. that you are, you know, you know, a- <laughs> black right (laughs) and so and you know those are the things that I wish I did have like a mentor or someone to sort of give me guidance on how to navigate those waters because Mm. you know it's shocking at first but you you know you don't you don't get you don't get to any age Mm -hmm. um with being black in America not experiencing some sort of you know yeah absolutely I mean I I can probably relate to what you're saying because being an attorney, it's like um, it's been challenging in some settings where it's like you don't get respected as an attorney or people don't realize they they didn't even think to consider that you might be an attorney. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so right. it's like you you see it's almost like you're not valued in that way. And so I understand like just being a young woman um, or we look young. <laughs> right, right. And exactly. um, yeah, and then being of color, it's like those are the layers of challenges that you have to navigate, but still be like, you know, top of your game as much as possible. Now you hit it on the head, mm-hmm. being looking young, mm-hmm. right? Being a woman of color and you almost have to go in a little forceful, mm-hmm. you know, sort of get your, um, get your, get your, your, your recognition. Um, point across, mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that you need, but you know, it shouldn't have, it shouldn't be like that, you know? And that's one thing that I've had to learn and navigate. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Right. And I don't know that will ever go away. Mm -hmm. It's just like you learn how to play the game and you learn how to um, make your presence felt, Mm -hmm. you know, without, without making others feel uncomfortable, which is hard and sad that we even have to, you have to bear that that responsibility. Right. Mm -hmm. 100%. So Mimi, you're doing so much and I feel like you have, like you're just just getting started. Like you have so much um, to offer. What does legacy mean to you and how do you feel like you're creating a legacy? Oh, I love that question <laughs> for asking me that. Sure. So, um, you know, this year for me has been a year of creating legacies, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought my first investment property this year. Yay! go ahead girl <laughs> about my first investment property mm-hmm. in Atlanta okay and 
And I am super excited about it. Um, we close mm-hmm. at the end of June. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the end of June. So I've had it about four or five months now. Yeah. Um, everything is going well. Awesome. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I said, I have a son. He's eight years old. Mm-hmm. And um, he does um, commercials. So he's, he oh, acts. Nice. And so um, he has booked a couple things and so yes. I didn't realize here's the thing girl I did not realize <laughs> that it it was so lucrative mm, you know okay and so you got me um, thinking my daughter's eight years old and she's got a whole lot of personality <laughs> listen, I mm. had no idea like I was just you know mm. for fun and then he ended up booking something he booked a Colgate commercial and nice. you know it really like brought in some money and so I mm. opened a um UTMA you was it UTMA account, yep, right? yep, mm-hmm. and um, you know I put every check he gets; it goes in there, and wow. then um, he booked a Target commercial, and I put all his checks in there. And so I'm building, yes. you know, something for him. Mm-hmm. So when he gets, you know, 25, or hopefully if he can handle it at 21, you know, <laughs> he's set. Mm-hmm. You know, and so for me, this year has been all about. Um, making sure that he's okay, making sure mm-hmm. that he's good, you know, and um, I'm so intentional about that now. I like that. I research everything and mm-hmm. I know where I'm putting his money and, mm-hmm. you know, and me buying the property was one thing, you know, just making sure that we have, you know, some wealth, some generational wealth to pass on, Ooh. something to leave, yes. you know, <laughs> so important. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, I think, I don't know if I realized it before, but I definitely got mm-hmm. to a point where I realize it now. Like, you know, I, I, it's, it's just so important that, that I am intentional about, about the way I manage my money, about saving yeah. for him, mm-hmm. making sure that he, he knows, you know, things right. about entrepreneurship and, you know, like we're, we're in the process of starting his own vending machine company, you know? Yes. Wow. Yes, mom, you're doing all the things. <laughs> And, you know, he needs to learn how to restock it and save this much money. This goes back into the business. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So yeah. I'm just trying to teach him because if you're looking at the way the world is moving, you know, you want to you want your kids to be ready, mm-hmm. you know, you want them to to um, <clears throat> have to depend on you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You definitely want them to be independent. And so that is what I am striving to do right now for uh, my son and our legacy. Wow, I'm so excited about all of those (laughs) things. It's so amazing because, you know, sometimes you just strive for your career and then you get there and then you realize, okay, I'm here now, but we're not thinking about, okay, but this was a catapult. So now you have all of this that you could work with and now you can build so, you know, something bigger than what you have. So you're, you're, and you're doing it, you're, you're including your son, you're educating him along the way. That is the stuff. <laughs> exactly. Your daughter, you said she's in, she's eight, is she in third grade? She's eight. She's actually in fourth grade. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. She's about to be nine next month. So okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she's, she's, okay. she's in the fourth grade. Um, and she just has a lot of personality. Like, you know, everybody who knows me, they're like, okay, let, where's Lauren? <laughs> because <laughs> she's the well, star. Well, I can give you some pointers. We'll talk. Yo, I'll yes, girl. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. I appreciate that. So yeah. with all the stuff that you're doing and all of the impact that you're making, you know, um, in the marketplace, in your home, with your son, how do you want to be remembered? 
<laughs> That's a question no one's asked before. Mm. Um, how do I want to be remembered? Yeah. It could be today because um, you might change your mind tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've fought a lot of unknown battles that mm. I think that people don't know that mm. I've, I've fought. Mm. And going back to what we were talking about, just okay. um, being at work and, and, and representation, okay. you know, mm-hmm. um, I feel like in my own way, I trailblaze mm. a lot of um, paths and doors that wouldn't be open for um, us mm. in, in certain areas, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I just hope that I continue to do that and do that on a larger scale mm-hmm. and, that, um, you know, people will recognize that, you know, someone has to go first and someone has to push down doors and, 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 you know, I've always worked in white spaces mm-hmm. um, and I've always felt like I've teetered on the side of two worlds, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. living and growing up in Alaska and then going to Howard, like I know, mm-hmm the best of, of those both worlds right. you know I know how to how to use it where it needs where it needs to be used and you know I hope that you know people will just see that one day right. and be like well you know we wouldn't have had this black um uh anchor or this mm-hmm. black um uh, you know, producer or whatever it is, has right. she not come in and shown that what we can do, you know, I love that. and mm. what, what, you know, what we're capable of, because sometimes, you know, I'm going to tell you in these newsrooms, mm-hmm. old people who have been there for 30 years right. and the most that they see, and I've worked in numerous newsrooms. I'm not even talking about the specific one that I, that I work in now, I've worked right. in like four mm-hmm. and it's, same scene behind each and every one of them, mm-hmm. right? It's okay. Older people who um, have never dealt with people of color unless they're writing a story about them mm-hmm. being trained at two o'clock on a Tuesday. You right, know right, right. So I hope that I've been able to come in and show that that's just not what, you know, we're not all one way, right. you know, mm-hmm. we're not monolithic. We can do so many other things and, um, that'll that'll make them you know want to hire or um put others on tv i love that so much it's almost (laughs) like that is the legacy that's been and so you're creating a new legacy even within that space Mm -hmm. and i love that (laughs) i love no exactly and it's just it's so important you know it's 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 a hard road. I'm not even gonna lie like it's hard sometimes it's hard to get people to see you your why for certain things mm-hmm. you know you've got to over explain yourself a couple yeah, times that's the most difficult part I, I worked I, in corporate a bit and it's like you feel like you got to explain every part of your being <laughs> you know part of it right mm-hmm. like can you just trust me like right. you know what I mean? <laughs> why do I have to do this over and over and over again mm-hmm. but you know if you just you have to keep pushing those doors as hard as it is and as tiring as it is you know you just have to keep pushing them so you know here yeah. I am <laughs> thank you so much Mimi thank you for all that you're doing all the change that you're making the legacy you're creating thank you for being here and how well, can you. <laughs> you're welcome how can people find you if they want to you know follow what you're doing if they want to be a part of um, what you got going on yeah sure um I am on uh I'm sorry I'm at <laughs> Mimi Brown TV on all platforms okay so 
You can find me Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everything. Mimi Brown TV. And then your podcast as, as well? Yes. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a link on my Instagram to my podcast, but okay. it's Becoming Dope Podcast. Becoming Dope. Yes. Check out Becoming Dope Podcast. Check out Mimi. She's amazing. Follow her. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mimi. Awesome. Thank you, Sabine. This was great. Sure. You're welcome.